G'day, dorks, and welcome to Lords of Dorktown, a podcast all about anime, cartoons, and video games. I'm your host, Philip, and the dork joining me tonight is a very lovely dork. He's one of my favorites. Johnny Rowe, how are you, buddy? Good, bro. How you doing? Yeah, man. Just living life, buddy. How you been? Pretty good. You know, most people actually say I am your favorite. That's what I've heard. (laughs) For some reason, I feel like Tyson's going to beat down my door any minute now and just fucking flog me for that one. So you've been telling him that in private. I still love you, Tyson. You're still my favorite as well. All, all we my dogs. I love all my dogs, except Jason, because he dogged me for tennis. So, Yeah, we should definitely throw him under the bus for that one. Yeah, fucking Roger Federer over here thinks he's got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been going on, buddy? How you been? Pretty good, man. Work as usual, but um, just started playing basketball again, which I was pretty excited about. Yeah. Did terrible, but... Um, Back on the b-ball court? Yeah, back on the court, finally, after I did my ankle. That, so, that's, um, you know, that's what makes you the alpha of the dorks, right? Just the simple fact you play a sport <laughs> is all you need. <laughs> a team sport at that. It's not even... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just the worst guy on the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, bloody... I went and, uh, I went and got, a, I got a fresh tattoo today, right? A, yes, I saw it. Cool oh little... God, it looks fantastic. Yeah, cool little dinosaur, but... um. So I went in there a to, little. yeah, it's pretty big actually. <laughs> half my arm. It's huge. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went into the the tattoo parlor. Right, I was getting this tattoo. Uh, awesome, awesome guy by the name of Josh. His name was, and he was he was tattooing me, and he just like happened to mention anime. And I was like, oh brother, you don't know what you've done. Really? I'm, I'm in this chair for another three and a half hours, buddy. You don't know what worms you just opened. So I literally oh just like God. unloaded on this dude. Was just like how much I love anime. It's <laughs> like, I've got an anime so, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, did he, what was his response when you said that? Did you leave with that? Or oh, were you no, just like no, straight no. away? Like, he was like, yeah, I like anime. And you just go, I have a podcast. <laughs> no, no. I, I, um, I worked up to it a little bit, I think. I think, I don't know, you'll probably remember this story, but um, the story, you remember when we were in that cafe just after we recorded a bunch of episodes? <laughs> <laughs> It was the exact same moment. <laughs> Literally, it was like so. For listeners out there who um who weren't there, obviously, uh, we went to like a little cafe after recording uh, a few episodes, and we were I think we we're really were we hungover? I was hungover. I think I think we were a little bit, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, this dude was serving us. He had a like a he had an Attack on Titan necklace or something, and we literally just recorded an Attack on Titan episode, and we're like, oh man. Yeah, he had the Scout wings. I think. Yeah, the wings of freedom. So we're like, oh man, we should uh. We should tell this guy about the podcast, you know, start this real grassroots campaign. And you were like, okay, I'll, I'll open up the conversation. And, <laughs> and you said, <laughs> wait, what did you say again? You should, you should say that part. I said, hey man, I love your necklace. Attack oh. on Titan. Leading and like through said- to me, you threw to like everyone looked at me to then follow on the conversation. And be like, "Hey, man, we have a, like an anime-based <laughs> podcast. We just recorded that. You should listen to it." And I literally just froze instantly and went, "Yeah, cool." <laughs> 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 it 
was so awkward. So. It was the funniest thing. It, the reason why we all paused and looked at you was because you were the guy that kept bringing it up about four or five times. And oh, I didn't bring it up that I, much. Come on, buddy. Well, uh, <laughs> after about the after about the fifth time of talking about it, I was just like, no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it out here. I'm gonna compliment him and see what happens. And you went to water. <laughs> oh, I just went frozen a puddle on the so ground, funny. man. It was brutal. Oh, brutal. It was so no, I learned from my lessons. So this time, when the when the tattoo artist kind of asked me about it, and we're talking about anime, I just waited like I don't know ten minutes in because I figured, man, I was in the chair for like I was in the chair for four hours for this son bitch. Like I was there for ages. So I was like, man, we got was, yeah. You can't go too hard too fast. Exactly. I didn't drop the podcast till like an hour and a half in too, man. Like <laughs> I clapped that. Well done. Proud of you. <laughs> played it well. Played it well. Uh, so, buddy, we're uh, we're here to do a, a second part of a, a very popular episode we dropped way back. It was, I think, it was the second episode we ever dropped. Uh, we're doing a follow up to Seven Deadly Sins. So, I do have a bit of a synopsis here. So, let's dive into that, buddy. With Hendrickson and the new generation defeated, the Kingdom of Lions starts to rebuild, and the Seven Deadly Sins go their separate ways. But the true danger has just started with the revival of the Ten Commandments, the elite force of the Demon Clan. Can our heroes overcome this tremendous force of evil? And will the dark history behind the true nature of Meliota spell the end for the Seven Deadly Sins? Find out as we dive into Seven Deadly Sins and the revival of the Commandments. Yeah, so season, this is technically season three of Seven Deadly Sins, but I always call this season two because they had a weird little four episode season two, Signs of a Holy War, that was like a prequel thing. I'd definitely say it's season two. I yeah. Mean, you can forget about it because those um that those four episodes don't don't take up a lot of space. Are they even, if, are they canon? If anything, I think it is. I was just about to say, if any. Um, so yeah, it's, it's season two. Sure. Yeah, season two. It's definitely, it's definitely the second uh, major arc. So. Yeah, revival of the Ten Commandments, and I, I, I can say this as a person, as someone who's watched all three seasons, this is my favorite season. Uh, this is definitely my favorite. Uh, I think season three. We'll probably get into that on the set. We'll definitely get into it on the season three episode. But I think season three is pretty pathetic in a lot of parts. Uh, but really. Yeah, the animation is dreadful. Uh, we're not here to talk about season three. Obviously, we're here to talk about season two. This season has a bunch of stuff in it. Like, so much happens in this season. Yeah. During yeah. the rewatch even of this... The, I was going to say, even in the, in the, like, two or three filler episodes, there's actually a ton of backstory. Oh. So. Even the way it starts off. So, it starts off with uh, all of the stuff with Gotha and Gila. Do you remember that? Um, oh, yeah. I would just say that was, like, kind of freaking me out a little bit. I actually um, kind of liked it. As, as someone who, who really enjoys Gotha as a character, I really enjoyed that stuff. Like, I just thought it was a... Yeah, it was a good way to start mm. his um, his character development arc. But I was I was more weirded out about how he um, he got rid of the little uh, Gila's little brother, like yeah. just got him out of the way. I was yeah. like, oh, this guy's dangerous. Yeah, it's it's not great. So this season kind of starts off with like all of the sins, you know, kind of almost splitting ways. So we have you know, Barn goes off with uh, Jericho to kind of on his little quest to bring back his child girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stay away from 
that. We'll stay away from that. Yeah. Um, um, so he's off to the Fairy King's Forest with King as well and Jericho. And we have all that stuff happening with um, Gotha and Gila and Diane's wrapped up in that. And that kind of... I think that, that whole situation with Gotha and Diane and stuff kind of sets this season onto a tra- tra- trajectory. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I've, I've already had three glasses of wine, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, a trajectory that um, kind of splits this season into like a lot of, you know, divergent paths. So we get uh, that results in Diane losing her memory, which I think is probably the reason I like this season the most because it brings that nice little hook into, you know, it breaks the mold of the sins um, from the bat and it kind of reinstates Diane as a more interesting, I think she's a more interesting character by the end of this season because she has to relearn everything basically. 100%. 100 percent. No, she's way better in this season mm. than the first season. The first season, she doesn't really play too much of a part, to be honest. Well, the first Even season, she's just depicted a lot, just fangirling over Meliodas, which I just yeah, thoroughly did not enjoy. Whereas, whereas um, she she plays a massive part in this season. Mm. Yeah, and the backstory is really well done. Also, like characters introduced from that backstory. Yeah, fantastic characters. I really liked them. Yeah, exactly. I really enjoyed her um, kind of mentoring this season, the um, the one-legged giant, who I, who I thoroughly enjoyed her character and her design. And, yeah. you know, every time she was in a scene, I just kind of was automatically drawn towards her, regardless of who else is in the scene. Yeah, I was. I thought it was really cool. And mm. finally, we got to see a female character wear, wearing full pants. Full pants. <laughs> full, oh, like, oh, man. So refreshing. It's so refreshing. It's amazing. Um. So when that when that all kind of goes down at the start of the season with Gotha and Diane and Barn leaving and stuff, we kind of almost left to pick up the pieces of, you know, because we had such a climactic end of the last season with Hendrickson and the second generation and all that stuff, that this season has to kind of start from scratch again. Like they've com- fully completed that arc. Like that arc is done. There's no remnants left over with the exception of Hendrickson. Everything in that arc's done. So this season really feels like they're starting again from like from scratch. Like the sins kind of depart and then they have to reunite again, you know. We get a lot of stuff yeah. with Merlin and stuff like that. So this season for me really just feels like a good kicking off point for what the story eventually... Because this season, everything that happens in this season carries on throughout the rest of the series up until the end of the manga. Everything yeah, in this season is super important. Where the first season's not really... Like the second generation stuff kind of... You know, it doesn't really play into it as much. And I know it's our yeah. introduction to the Demon Clan and stuff like that. But yeah, this season really does feel like the kickoff for everything to come. Like, it's it's really good. I fucking love this season. Yeah, no, this season this season's like massive in terms of like doing the story and everything. Um, mm. But I did, and you'd almost say that like the first season was just kind of like the introduction almost. Yeah, like kind of getting to um, know a lot of the sins, but like, as I mentioned, as we mentioned in the first episode that we recorded of this, um, we don't even get introduced to all the sins in that season. Like Merlin's introduced at the very tail end of the last season. And this is the first season we really get to know Merlin. Like we actually get an explanation for her powers. So what did you think uh, of Merlin's power set that kind of gets revealed in this, her magical ability, infinity? Um, she's like super overpowered. I feel yeah. It, like she's so basically a god, right? Yeah, and she got that. She's got perfect cube as another ability. Oh, perfect cubes, bullshit. Which is crazy because like um, Garland, 
was saying that it's a demonic skill as mm. well. It's not a um, it's not a human skill. Well, just the like. So that, so... I thought that was I thought that was a pretty massive point that they just like glossed over that it was a demonic skill. Yeah, but also just like the um the fact that no matter how so they explain her power no matter how difficult a spell or anything is to cast once she's cast it it'll last forever so that forever, means she's yeah. immortal you know basically she's invulnerable to damage and her her sacred treasure is basically just like a save slot for her body like she yeah, just exactly. it's literally just a save slot like if something happens to her body it's just oh so, Save it and chuck it in the backup file. She'll be right. Yes, yeah, she is ridiculously, ridiculously overpowered. overpowered. Yeah, and that's what makes her like her. The perfect cubes aren't supposed to last forever, but hers will. So she can protect people forever. Exactly, which makes me wonder why doesn't she just chuck a perfect cube around all of Camelot? Because <laughs> you know? she's sassy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure I there's still an actual. Can't get over her short shorts. Yeah. They're ridiculous. I don't know. She's um. Actually, as much as I do kind of hate her design, I really fell in love with Merlin as a character. Definitely. I think she's yeah. I think she's that perfect balance of like sassy and knowledgeable, but also just kind and lighthearted. Like she's a very kind person, especially when yeah, they definitely. see her relationship. And it doesn't pay off as much in this season as it does in later seasons. But with Escanor in particular, oh, her stuff with Escanor is just great. I love her and Escanor as a pairing. It, it really is. It really is great. Yeah, and it, it but it's it's like almost puppy love as well from him, which is um. I think I I feel I feel like if he didn't have that, his entire character would be a bit will be completely different almost. Yeah, well, I mean, he, his character is basically grounded in Merlin as a character as well. Like, yeah. Escanor doesn't exist without Merlin. Merlin yeah, exactly. does exist without Escanor. Like Merlin. Merlin's character does not need Escanor, but Escanor's character needs Merlin. You know what I mean? Like 100%. We've, we've mentioned him a bunch now, so we should probably dive in headfirst to Escanor because he's the last sin to be introduced. And for me, his reveal, like when I watched this for the first time, his reveal was just jaw-dropping. I loved Escanor. I loved everything about Escanor. Like every yep. Shonen fanboy in history, I think Escanor's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I, I, at the start, when like you just seen him in the bar, I thought he was even a cool character. Like before yeah. you even, you even get revealed about uh, his power. Like I just thought it was a pretty interesting character. Like incredibly cowardly, uh, yeah, a bit witty. Like. Also, just a phenomenal mustache. Just a mustache for the <laughs> ages. <laughs> He's a well kept oh. gent. You don't see a ginger stash every now and again, but when you do, mate, you really <laughs> stop and take notice, mate. Oh. Beautiful. <laughs> Appreciate it. Also, I want to say the best um, sin tattoo we've seen on someone. Full back piece. The full lion back piece with the scarring over its eye. Oh, it's so great. It's yeah, so I, I mean, I'd love to... I, I would actually, if I decided to do like an anime sleeve, I'd get that on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm a Leo as well, so it makes sense. Yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> so we also get kind of... The, best, the thing I like about Eskinor's introduction is they just go... They don't, like, you know, with the other characters, that are, the other sins that we get introduced, we get introduced to them, but then they've got to find their sacred treasure and their kind of powers on tap. Yeah. When we meet Escanor, he's at his peak already. He's got his sacred treasure. He's got his skills underway. He's not, he doesn't need any improvement because he is as good as he'll ever be because he's the lion yeah. sin of pride. Pride yeah. does not take damage. Pride does not deflate or, you know, he's the embodiment of a, 
steadfast symbol of pride. It's great. Yeah, definitely. Like he said, like he said himself, he's the peak of all the races. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you think of his sacred treasure, the sacred axe uh, reader? Is it? Rita. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love that axe. I think it's, it's beautiful. It's so funny. It's beautiful, When they mate. introduce him with, um, and, is it Gallant? Yeah, yeah, Gallant tries to lift it Gallant, up. Gallant, yeah. He tries to pick it up and he's like, was this two-handed? And he's like, no, it's, it's perfect. It's one-handed. Mm. Just yoinks it off him. He's, um... Oh, that, that, was, that was fantastic. Oh, so great. Eskinor's, you know, kind of buffing up with the sun. Uh, his um, kind of muscle... What's that? What's that term for over-exaggerated muscle? I suppose over-exaggerated muscle works just as well. Uh, re- reminds me a lot of um, Bucky. I think is a series. You know, you've watched Bucky, yeah? Right? Bucky on Netflix. And, yeah, uh, so like that too. super, super unrealistic kind of muscle. You know, <laughs> it reminded me a lot of that, and I fucking love that. Definitely. I think yeah, it was really good to watch. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of Escanor's design, ability, power set, personality. He may be. I think he is my favorite sin now. I think so. I thought. I think. I think the set, like the scenes he's in it. Yeah, in season two, they're all fan, they're all great. I love. They don't give away too much of his character, but you're no. definitely getting to understand his personality because it's they make it pretty obvious. Like, yeah, uh, the stronger he gets, the more cocky he gets. Uh, he's a very interesting character. His his um kind of moment to shine in the uh, fighting tournament midway through the season, where he is up against Gotha and he you know makes that decision to take a hit from Gotha, and instead of retaliating, he looks like he's retaliating, but instead he targets the um two of the Ten Commandments, leading to Meliodas being able to open up and make an attack. Yeah. That is the pinnacle of what I think Escanor is as a character. He is weirdly selfless and prideful, but also needs to be the biggest boss in the room at all times. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's got that big dick energy. But oh, um, he definitely, he definitely like plays the know. the alpha. He plays the alpha, so like he protects the pride as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So this season's called. Is that the... a coincidence? Do you think he's the lion sin of pride and? protects his pride of lions. Oh, it's so deep, brother. Wow, what, what are we <sighs> under there? Whoa. <laughs> so deep. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this season's called The Revival of the Ten Commandments. Oh, actually, I think it's just called The Revival of the Commandments. Um, so what did you think of, you know, the Ten Commandments as like a villain, a, a group of villains for this season? How, how'd you go with those guys? I really liked it. They were all... They're all super unique um, outside of maybe the three brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't seem super unique. Oh, well, two of the brothers seem ununique. One of the brothers feels very different to the other two. Um, yeah. yeah. So... I, um, I really liked um, Galland. I thought that was hilarious. His fight with Escanor as well, uh, where he, like, breaks in the promise, is hilarious when uh, Escanor just, like, slices him straight up. Mm. Freaks yeah. So he's the first kind of sin we get introduced, and we see him basically wipe out Meliodas and the other sins, like in his first introduction. He's just way too strong, well, and it takes yeah, and it takes some pretty nifty trickery from Merlin to kind of get those out of that pickle. But um, he's by far the weakest of the commandments by far. Um, yeah. So I've got a list of the commandments here. So we have uh. 
I'm going to pronounce probably all of these wrong. Uh, Dreary the Purity. So she's the chick with the combo ability who wears no clothes. Literally next to nothing. She's got one leg and pants, I think. I don't think they're um, even pants. I think there's this weird shadow around her. No, it's, it's their shadow armor. Yeah. And then yeah. we have uh, Droll the Patient, who's the giant, who's technically not a demon. He's a giant. Yeah, no, yeah. he's a giant. Um, I love Droll. I think his design, his ability set, everything about him is is wicked. Um, yep, great, I loved... great backstory as well. So I read I read this before I watched it. Did you realize Droll was purple? No, blue, whatever color he is? Not in a, I didn't think he was going to be that in the manga because I just knew what Diane looked like. Mm. I thought it, I thought he'd look a little bit different because he's obviously he's with the commandments. Um, but a completely but so, so is Meliodas. Meliodas is the, the leader of them and he, he looks like a normal human most yeah. of the time. So yeah. I kind of just thought he would look like Diane, but he's not at all. Not at all. His design's <laughs> wild. But I, I really enjoy it. I, I think Droll as a as a as a as a commandment is is he's definitely one of the most formidable designs in that in that roster of villains. Like I think Yeah, and I like that they gave him four arms as well. So um, cool. Fuck that's cool. It's yeah, just I mean, so it, cool. it just makes his character design a little bit better and obviously like it makes him like visually seem better than the other giants as well. Yeah, exactly. It's is he literally has two arms up on them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we've got Esterosa the Love. So he's the commandment of love. We don't actually get a bunch of Esterosa in this. He kind of... The only bits we see him is he, he tanks our Meliodas's revenge counter and then kills Meliodas. Yeah, which um, isn't explained at the time, which is kind of cool. Like, when I was watching it um, as well, I was like, oh, that was boss. Yeah. It was much better than in the manga. Yeah, sure. yeah. But that is a good, really great scene. Him killing... Um, Meliodas with Barn on his back while Barn's trying to tr- fucking choke him out, and yeah. Barn just looking absolutely helpless. Completely. While Which his best friend gets his knife. Yeah, it also shows the power gap between Esterosa and um, Meliscula. Meliscula. Mm. Please correct me there. Oh, they will. Don't worry. <laughs> if anime you fans, there, you can do if it. anime fans are. <laughs> Oh, I will not. But if anime fans are known for anything, it's known for correcting us when we pronounce stuff wrong. So, yeah, again, please, please flood my, please flood the the um at Lords of Dorktown Gmail email to tell us all the things we got wrong about Seven Deadly Sins. <laughs> we appreciate it. I'm thoroughly enjoying reading it all. I, I, it fuels me now. I'm fueled by it. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Um. After Esterosa, we get uh, Freudian, uh, the sin of selflessness, who I can say with 100% certainty is the worst sin in this whole series, and his design, anytime he's on screen, I fucking hate him. I just well, thoroughly... He's, yeah, he's stuck in Dreyfus' body. So. Even when he's out of Dreyfus' body, I fucking hate yeah, him. True. He looks so dumb. He's just a big purple dragon dildo-looking motherfucker. I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't enjoy him. Um... <laughs> I think they did it on purpose. I feel like they did it on purpose, though, to show that he's not even he's not even a high level demon. No, no, he's, he's just something pitiful. He's just there by accident. Um, and then we've got Gloxnia of the Repose. Gloxinia. Gloxinia, yes. Thank you. You just you can just <laughs> send, send an email in too, please, John. I need. I need a few <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, I'm gonna flame you. Thanks, buddy. Socials. 
Uh, so Gloxenia, <laughs> who is a fairy, who's the first time we've seen a fairy with a complete set of wings, which... Oh, and massive wings as well. Just massive and just a... For someone who's like a little tiny person with wings and long hair is just so formidable on the screen. Just so terrifyingly yeah, formidable. I, I thoroughly inv- enjoyed Gloxenia and everything. Well, yeah. I, um, and I'm so glad that he didn't stay with the vines around him. I didn't really like that. Mm. It looked weird. Well, I think they were trying to hide the reveal that that's a, a, a giant and a fairy because even Droll has his head covered with this weird cloth. Yeah. Just a, just a cloth though, like, I feel draped like, across. Yeah, that was... I feel like that was stupid, almost. That um, was stupid. Not even almost. And, it was just flat-out yeah, stupid. Oh, straight up. But then also, I feel like... I feel like they really missed a chance with Voxinia replacing... I understand, like, the vines because he attacks with them like that. Yeah. Like, why wasn't he a cocoon? Yeah, exactly. Why would he come out of the cocoon as a butterfly? Like, come uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, after that, we have Grey Road the pacifist, who is by far the best design of all the of all the um, commandments. Just a. Oh, you really? You reckon? Just a. Oh, I just found it so interesting that it was like a cyclone of faces. It was because yeah. it, it just made sense to me that this is a demon race, and that the demons we've seen are, are kind of normalish looking. It just felt good to have a weird as fuck, obscure, almost undefinable entity of a demon. Yeah. And it was. It was. I just That's found it super cool. interesting. Yeah, it did break. It did definitely like break it up as well, and it, it made him the most, um, the most like mysterious as well in terms of, like you kind of knew what his uh, curse was about, but you couldn't really tell him how much power he had. To be honest. Yeah, exactly. And this thing, uh, this list I'm reading off also has like a power level, and by his power level, he looks like he's like the third weakest. So yeah, he doesn't really have yeah. too much of it. Uh, the one after Grey Road is uh, Maleskala of Faith, who is the one that yeah, brings one back the dead. What's that? Yeah, and, and can pop souls out, which is yeah, touching them. Which right. was the fre- she was the freakiest to be honest, especially yeah. when wasn't they, she they the f- close up on her face and her mouth just goes all the way oh, out. Oh yeah, that was gross. That Fuck, really that got to cool. me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed her. She's not doesn't stick around long because she gets killed relatively quickly. Yeah, and the, it's a perfect perfect scene as well. Like I really enjoyed. That's the first time you see that uh, power from Barn, mm. isn't it? Zero yeah. point or um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool actually. Barn doesn't get a lot of times to shine in this season, so it was good to see him kind of go toe-to-toe with this commandment and again with Estorosa and when Meliodas is being killed. But yeah, he, he probably gets the yeah. least amount of play in this season. Oh, no, we yeah, get a bit he, of his backstory, actually. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> forgetting the whole fairy uh, forest. Yeah, I and thought, the thing that with was the fox the cub father. Well. Yeah, that, would, that went over a couple of episodes. Um, that was fucking dull. I was <sighs> just about to say, that's like, that's like they're the filler episodes I'm talking about. There's like There's a a certain depth of the background story, but it's it doesn't have much to play like Diane's does. I yeah. Diane's and backstory is way richer than Mark's. And he got like an episode and a half. He got, yeah, he got fucking heaps. But also we've kind of had enough of Barnes' backstory. I enjoyed Barnes' backstory just being he was a thief that went to steal the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. That was fine. Yeah, That's sure. enough for us. We don't need to know how, how he was raised by this 
thief who was also a fo- werefox and he chose his real son over Barn, but Barn forgived him because if he chose Barn, he would have beat him up. Like, I don't fucking need that shit. Yeah, and I, I, I always felt like it was a little bit cheap to make him like that werefox. Oh, he's the fox in a grievous, just uh, make him adopt his father a werefox. Have we even seen any other, like, shape-shifting animal people before I li- this? John... I literally didn't put that together that he was the fox in of greed and he was raised by a werefox. Oh, I'm all over this tonight. Oh. <laughs> Can we get the X Files music in here? Just. Fuck, it blew my mind. Hashtag yeah. fucking. I feel like it was cheap though because they don't really explain. He's pretty much the only person you've seen so far that can do that. So Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then he's not um, powerful at all. He can't even beat like a normal city guard. So. Yeah, exactly. And the city guards in this um, in this series are basically just cannon fodder to anyone with a sword. Like they're just the most yes. useless <laughs> human beings. Um, so uh, the next one on this commandment list is Most Pete the uh, Monspet, the Resistance. Uh, I would I would have said Monspet. Yeah. Like that. yeah. I love his design. Everything about him is great. I find yep. him thoroughly interesting, and I know for a fact that we get more play with him in the next season, and I'm so yep. grateful for that because he's amazing, his ability is amazing, his design is the simplest yet the most effective, I think, out of the commandments, where he yeah, just what looks what I found menacing. interesting was, yeah, I mean, the entire time through the manga, he has no mouth at all. Mm. Mm. And then you get to see him one or two panels way later where he, you can see his mouth. So mm. and it kind of bugged me a lot. The entire time it really bugged me and felt like maybe but on the anime you can get to see his mouth a bit more, which is okay. <laughs> yeah, so they never really explain it, but I always took it that he has a mouth, but if he's not using it he doesn't have a mouth. Yeah, like it's super just... thin lips or something, I yeah. don't know. Uh, and the, so the last one in the list is the sin we get the least play within this other uh, sin. The commandment we get the least play in this season with um Zeladris. Zeldoris? Zeldoris? There's not O in it, but anyway. Uh, and he's Zeldoris the commandment like of pity. Good Lord, I love him so much. <laughs> so much. And I know he doesn't get yeah. a lot of play in this season. We only see him, you know, in a few scenes briefly. You know, at the end of this season, we see him on the throne of Camelot, you know, after yeah. the demons have kind of retaken Camelot, or not retaken, but taken Camelot and put it under demon control. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy his design. I thoroughly enjoy his, you know, just everything. I think he is just a super engaging character and he only gets more engaging as the seasons go on. I fucking love him. Yeah, I mean, his story the whole way through to the end is fantastic. Um, one of the best. It kind of... I, I, I love his... Um, I love his sword that he uses as well. Mm. I like how he's got one arm guard. He's super quick with it. Um, yeah. Hell, extremely powerful, obviously. Um, yeah, they list his uh, magical ability here as um, uh, Omnibus Nebula. Yeah. Which is just... Two cool words put together to make a cool sounding magical ability. <laughs> and, it, and it is cool. Yeah. It's a cool bird. Does he use the ability in season No, two? I don't think we get anything yeah. of his ability. He's literally well, just the back, like him and Estorosa. I think we get, we see Estorosa use full counter, um, which is like a bomb drop moment yeah. that, oh, he's got the same ability as, you know, Meliodas. <laughs> 
Excuse me. But yeah, we um we don't get a bunch of play with him. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy his character so much. Yeah. Um. I I I gotta say, I do like that they're the exact same height. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cute. You right? do. <laughs> it's pretty cute. So I yeah, think... when they're standing in front of each other with uh in the the main fight that Meliodas gets beat in, hmm. and they're just looking at each other, but they're right next to each other. Yeah. I, I just laughed at it. Like, these two little kids are gonna fight. Oh, little boys are going to have a tiff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the the defining point of this whole season, for me at least, is the great fighting festival um, in the, the kind of mid-season where um, Droll and uh, Gloxenia invite everyone, you know, everyone in the kingdom to a, a fighting festival held in this maze to win the ultimate goal of a wish, any wish you want granted, and it's... It's just great. That whole arc is yeah. it's so good. I love a fighting festival arc, and this one does not disappoint because we get equal parts, great fighting between characters we don't know much about, and then a complete diversion from that to Meliodas fucking taking on the Ten Commandments in an yeah. absolute boss move that he doesn't win. He loses that fight, which is, again, such a good contrast because... Yes. Boy, are we used to Shonen main characters winning the big fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic, as well as the fact that like he was kicking some good ass, but yeah. as soon as Esterosa stepped in, it was game over. Also, he was using the same trick that we've seen before, because I feel like if he did one with the revenge counter, it would have just been, you know, not important yeah, because we've seen it before. It's just, it was good yeah, it that they diverted it. Yeah. It would have been like the spirit bomb, like where the first few times that he uses it, you're just like, okay, well, he's going to win the fight. Now. Yeah, exactly. It's spirit bomb. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So but yeah, that, that thought, fighting festival arc, good that we get good, pits, uh, good bits from King and Diane. Uh, we see King kind of um, go past his limits and unlock a second form of his sacred treasure, which is very yeah. cool and very interesting. True we see him. Form, is it, or... What's that? Is it true form? Is that what it's yeah, yeah, true form. Yeah. Um, we see him and Diane kind of falling in love, which is great because I ship them so incredibly hard that I reckon if I read any more manga on Seven Deadly Sins, I'm going to start writing fan fiction about those two, and that's <laughs> a spiral I don't feel like falling into this week. <laughs> um, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> oh, mate. The day I start writing fan fiction, like... So, oh man, okay, Di- complete diversion. But I had to write a um a complaint about a person who I may or may not work with, hypothetically. hypothetically Anywho, yeah. I I wrote a complaint. That wasn't even a complaint. It was just like, hey, this is what. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, but then I read it back, and it literally read like a Unabomber manifesto. Like, I read it, and I was like, I'm crazy. I'm an insane human being. It was the most, like, like New World Order kind of conspiracy bullshit I've ever read. And it was my head. I wrote it. <laughs> Did you black out, and you just woke up with this paper in front of you, and you're what happened? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a 14-page manifesto. Like, it was insane. <laughs> Oh man, the day I start writing well, fanfiction. All because, all because someone took something out of yours out of the fridge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my lunch? Every 20 bastards took it. 
it's, yeah, it's, it, it was pretty grim. Um, but getting back to Seven Deadly Sins, um, we talked about um, Escanor's sacred treasure, but he's not the only person that receives their sacred treasure in this. We finally see Meliodas with his sacred treasure. Lost I know, Bunga. finally gets it back. I thought it was cool if uh, Merlin purchased it. Like, they don't explain why he sold it in the first place. He, no, Meliodas, he sold it for money to make the boar hat. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, completely wrong. But then, yeah, Merlin um, buys it back, so that was interesting. Um, do you feel like it was a bit cheap for him to get it back? I was honestly expecting like some, some crazy stuff to go down for him to get his... No, I, I don't know if I'd call it cheap. I think I think he needed to get his sacred treasure now uh, before his power scale like needed um, before his power scale got escalated. Because if he didn't receive Los Vanya before he fought the Ten Commandments, I think that would have felt a bit cheap him losing. Because obviously yeah. you can just be like, oh well, he didn't have his sacred treasure; he couldn't access all of his magical power. Yada yada yada. But the fact that he had that and still got defeated meant that, like, no, he was thoroughly outclassed in this fight. Like, you know, there's no yeah, excuse for point. him losing. He was just not good enough. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. yeah. With all, all of his cards he couldn't win, so... Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, I don't think... It, I think he received it at the exact point he needed to. Uh, I think maybe the device of, you know, oh, Merlin bought it, so here it is. It's, it's not great. I'm glad it only got used once. Like, if they... If it turns out Merlin had bought all their sacred treasures and everyone got their sacred treasure back, I would have been like, fuck off. That's fucking yeah. horseshit. Yeah, that would have been too much for sure. What did you think of his design of his sacred treasure? The short um, short blade, one-handed kind of dagger almost. Um, I, yeah, no, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it just suits him, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen, uh, if you read, but like, um, I read the one shot for the manga and which is like the, the, the that's kind of like what that is, is the chapter that they pitch to people to like invest in it. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I got what you mean. And in that one shot, Meliodas is literally holding a sword that's maybe like 15 feet long. It's the biggest mm. sword you've ever, like think about like guts and his, his dragon sword. Yeah. It'd yeah. be like four times the size of that thing. Oh, um, yeah. So, the big contrast for what it turns out to be in the manga, I really like. Uh, the anime, I really like. I much prefer the short sword. Yeah, I think Los Vanya is a short kind of, un- short, very precise, almost like surgical instrument instead of a big unwieldy weapon. It just makes more sense with Meliodas' fighting style. He's a very cautious fighter. He's not one to use big, extravagant exper- like explosions of power. He's, you know, yeah. His magical ability full counter is completely dependent on someone attacking him first and being on the yeah, defensive. Yeah, you can do it with a twig as well, so he doesn't need this uh, massive yeah. blade or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Plus, you've already got, um, you've already got Escanor's uh, reader, which is too heavy for a demon to pick up, so yeah, yeah I like it. I really like it. Yeah, I love, I love Los Vanya, and um, if you're a full-on dork out there like me, there is more than one YouTube video of actual blacksmiths recreating Los Vanya, and I thoroughly <laughs> encourage you to watch all of them like I did because it is borderline pornographic watching them make that sword. <laughs> it is fucking beautiful. It's oh. as sweaty as the blacksmiths. Did, yes. you, um, did you research how much to get a replica? Oh, no, dude. If I start buying replica swords from anime, like, <laughs> I am getting divorced. Like, my wife will not put up with that nonsense. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> 
that is a level of depravity I cannot scoop to. Um, maybe we can. Uh, maybe I'll try and find you some like a kiwi. Oh, because... brother, you know me too well. <laughs> um, like we could talk about this season for Seven Deadly Sins for ages, but I don't really think we can go on a yeah. bunch about it because honestly, I just want people to get out there and watch it. This season's amazing. Legitimately, just get yeah. out there and watch it. Um, yeah, I've, I've, it's, it's really great, and I don't want to spoil a lot of it for a lot of you people. So just get out there and watch it. Um, so John, do you have anything in this season that's getting it, and anything that's not getting it? You know, what's, what's your overall opinion on this season? Um, this season really where you get into the meat of the entire story. Knowing what the story develops into it really made me appreciate the anime when I was re- going back and re-watching it. Yeah, um, this, this season lays a lot of the, grain, the groundwork thing. for a lot of the big stuff that builds later. It was good. Yeah, definitely. Like I knew the value of what was actually being said now that I've like already gone through it. So it made me really appreciate the amount of story in this season. For yeah, sure. definitely. Plus the fight scenes were way better than season one. There was only a couple um, that I thought were better in season one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The only negative I have to say about this whole season um, is just maybe just a bit of meat, a bit of fat that could have been trimmed out of this season. It just felt like this season yeah. was a bit bloated at points. Yeah, I agree. It was especially, yeah. especially like they focused, they spent a lot of time focusing on certain things that may, they probably didn't need to focus on. Like Jericho? Yeah. Fuck, I don't care about Jericho. I fuck, I, I mean, care even, so little even about if Jericho. Even she's a character that hangs around, no one cares. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Not even Barn yeah. cares. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think this Seven Deadly Sins Season 2 is definitely getting it for me. Is it getting it for you, buddy? 100%. Um, if you love Season 1, you're going to love Season 2 anyway. Um, it's quite, quite a bit longer as well, which is good. Yeah, heaps longer, which is, yeah, yeah. Which is good, but a little bit bloated, I'd still say. Um, but you'd, know, so, you'd definitely know. You'd be able to skip, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. There'd be a filler list out there, for sure. Um, so, let's move on to our next segment, buddy. We're doing a new segment this week. I haven't done this with you yet. I'm excited. Really? I'm excited. Uh, so, this is the Moldy Cheese segment. This is a segment of the show where we take a look back on the various shows that aired on Cheese TV, and we decide moldy whether cheese. it's aged like fine cheese or if it's just moldy. <laughs> uh, this I like week, it. I love it. This week on the menu is a Chinese-American animated live-action comedy television series starring the adventures of a fictionalized version of the Hong Kong action film star Jackie Chan in Jackie Chan Adventures, uh, which burst onto our screens in the year 2000 and lasted for a massive five seasons. So let's hear it now. on Cheese TV? I, I vividly remember Jackie oh, Chan. Oh, man. And I'll tell you what. I, great. So, man, so I've got a bit of a, I've got a, bit of a plot slaps. summary here for you. 
Uh, so Jackie Chan, a professional archaeologist, enjoyed his job working for the local university until fate dealt him another hand. After finding a shield containing the talisman, he encountered the Dark Hand, a criminal organization led by a man called Valmont that serves the demon sorcerer Shendru. Jackie and his family must cooperate with a secret law enforcement organization, Section 13, (laughs) to counter that threat and must face dangers that will demand all of Jackie's daring and skill in martial arts to overcome. (laughs) So... (laughs) Jackie Chan in this series is not only a professional archaeologist, but he is also the world's best martial artist. <laughs> it's Bro, fucking wild. It, it kills me that he used his real Like, clearly they could only sell this show by using his name because he's he, completely irrelevant. And he doesn't even voice Jackie Chan. <laughs> Someone else does. They just get another Asian-sounding dude. But, like, Jackie they, Chan's face is on everything. His fucking yeah, mug. His face they use his, his real-life mug in the fucking, um, in the intro, and he just pulls Jackie Chan faces over the animation. Every now yeah. and again, he just pulls a, like, a what face to the camera. It's fucking wild. It's so great. Uh, uh, it, yeah, like, the, he, I don't know why. It was, it was not even that bad. Like, it could have been anyone's name. Um, no, that's the thing. And I thought it, it could have just okay. had random fictionalized person, Chinese person who knows like kung fu. You could have just made it a random person. It did not need to yeah. be Jackie Chan. Could have been anyone. Because when I watched this, I didn't know who the fuck Jackie Chan was. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. For how many kids would know it? Um, I had yes. no fucking idea. He was a Hong Kong action figure and uh, an action movie star, and I was just a fourteen, like a sorry, an eight-year-old kid in Australia that, yeah. didn't know who what the fuck was going on. Yeah, oh, that's great. never saw it the dragon until five I was about seasons, mate. Well, I suppose was it was it actually even uh, produced in like uh, Hong Kong or mainland China? Uh, so it was a collaboration between a American animation company and a Chinese animation company. So it was a, a classic. Um, Chinese-American collab. Um, do you remember the characters of this show? So we had Jackie Chan, obviously. Yeah, who, I can vividly remember Jackie. Again, <laughs> not voiced by Jackie Chan. We had Jay Chan, who was his 12-year-old niece, who was like the almost protagonist for, you know, um, kids. But the, the character I want to focus on more is Uncle Chan, I don't know if you remember Uncle Shan, but he was the uncle that ran the antique shop for Jackie, and he was kind of this wise old sage that kind of taught him a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, this... He maybe has one of the most racist Chinese accents I've ever heard committed to film. <laughs> I've got a sample here for you. Listen to this nonsense. One more thing. Your place is too big. I have to walk very far to find the bathroom. <laughs> I, am, I am sure that is not... A Chinese man doing that. It is a Chinese man. Oh, it is. It's they... just so fucking racist, still somehow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because they, they, the producers, could, like I suppose back then, like it wasn't the environment it is now, but like that's what they wanted out of it, I suppose. Yeah, but, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad it's a Chinese man. Then. I like, know, but still, it, just still, him fun. saying one more thing, like one more thing. It sounds <laughs> so problematic. <laughs> Just one more thing. 
I'm going to add that to my sound desk forever. That's going to be there forever. One more thing. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard. One more thing. So um, <laughs> this, this series, uh, the main kind of hook for this series is uh, magical talismans based on the 12 animals of the Chinese zodiac. So you got the racks, the... The rat, the ox, the tiger, the rabbit, the dragon, the snake, the horse, the sheep, the monkey, the rooster, the dog, and the pig. Um, I fucking loved that as a main kind of point of reference for the whole series to revolve around collecting magical talismans because they were great. Great. And they all had unique powers, which I thought was super interesting. Uh, Like the tiger had the ability to balance, which was weird. Perfect balance, which was a cool thing. Um, super yeah, strength was another shape, one. Uh, you've also got like astral project- projection, shape shifting, levitation, immortality. The dog talisman gave you immortality, and the tiger king, <laughs> the tiger talisman gave you balance. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's balance. a bit off there. The dog should have just been good loyalty or something. <laughs> yeah, balance. The tiger gave you balance. You know what? <laughs> Every time I think of tiger, cool. you know the first thing that comes to my mind. Balance, yeah. Mm. Um, it should so, have been yeah. something like balance of yin and yang. That would have been cool. But... Yeah. So did you did you enjoy this series when you watched it? I remember I remember enjoying it. I mean, it's been god knows how many years, but I do I do and I do vividly remember the intro as well. So I I rewatched about what feels like legitimately a hundred episodes of this, but probably was actually about fourteen episodes of this this week um i can say i can say with a hundred percent certainty that this show if made today would cause a riot yeah pretty much then you bring anything forward from back then yeah potentially yeah but this one this one steps on some some hot coals yeah (laughs) but i I still think this show holds up i think i still think it has some really good stuff um I do, I do think I'm gonna have to call this one moldy though, because I, I just feel like it's, you know, a bit more. One more thing. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> oh man, the accents in this show just get me every time. It's, it's fucking. Every time I find a good thing, I'm just reminded of. One more thing. And it just fucking brings <laughs> no, me stop back. That. You're gonna, it's gonna be in my head. So I know you haven't watched much of this series, but I'm definitely calling this series Moldy, mate. It's definitely a Moldy from me. Yeah, I mean, I, I even though I can remember the intro, I can't remember, can't remember much of the story. Um, yeah, Jackie, it was paper thin at best. Relevant, so. He's yeah. not relevant anymore, so no one, no one needs to go back. I don't think. So we'll officially call it Moldy, hey? Fucking yeah, the mold going on there. Oh, you dirty fuckers! Bloody hell! There's mold all up the sides too. Oh, Jesus Christ, look at the fucking mould on that. This is absolutely disgusting. So there it is, <laughs> getting mouldy wrapped up for another week. So I think that's it for tonight, buddy. It's a pretty quick one tonight, not the longest record we've ever done, but I'm on the clock and it's fucking late and I'm tired. So let's get yeah. cracking, mate. Let's call it. Let's call it. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, buddy. I always love getting you in, and we'll hopefully see a lot more of you in the coming coming episodes, mate. Let's get doing. Hope so, bro. I love being here. I love you. Take care and keep it dorky. Keep it dorky. So follow us on the socials at Lords of Dorktown, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you send us an email at the pod if you want to yell at us for pronouncing anything wrong or that we <laughs> took the wrong gist on someone. 
I live off your hate. Give it to me. Give it to me, you internet trolls. I love you all. Keep it dorky, guys.